Have your sports curiosity cured. Face off to the right of Cam Talbot. And off the draw, Byfield quickly to center ice. With speed, Byfield around one man in on goal. Scores! What a goal! Quinton Byfield! And that gets Jim Fox out of his seat here at Crypto.com Arena. A veteran of the sports reporting game for over 25 years. Thank goodness he has the big reach, does pro, and he's able to take that puck away. Smith was running hot in the outdoor Great game. moves, McMichael dangles in, Buckhand, score! A dazzling second goal on the night for McMichael. Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams. Lundell gets by Brady, gets shot, shot angle, score! Let's go home, baby! Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. All right, here we go for Sol 116, February 21st. Little crispy minus seven on the way into the sports 1440 studios, but a high, a plus six today, and it's going to get even better as the week progresses, and then maybe a little dip before we hit the end of February. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 on your AM radio dial, heading into your drive for work and streaming on iHeartRadio. We got the TuneIn app, and of course on sports1440.ca. And if you miss any part of the show today's or prior, all you have to do is catch up by uh, searching the Kevin Carey Show on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's on the Google Podcasts. It's Amazon. It's everywhere. Be sh- sure to subscribe and select that auto download so you never have to miss a second of the show. Once again, good morning. Thanks for tuning in on a Wednesday of the week. We're right in the middle of the week already. Here we go. And it is game day for the Oilers as the big bad Bruins are in town. The Boston Bruins, 33-12 and 11. Oilers, 33-18. And one, Boston, all of a sudden, kind of keeping an eye on, on the Florida Panthers. The Big Cats, as you heard in the Dukes opening, now winners of six in a row, beat Ottawa last night. And Florida vaults over Boston into first place in the Atlantic Division. So, Bruins fighting for that first spot. Oilers fighting for position in the Pacific it's going to be a really good one at Rogers tonight. Oilers with the eight straight wins at Rogers Place heading into this one, and they're really over that time. They've had two eight-game home winning streaks this year, actually. It's the first time in franchise history that the team has ever had two winning streaks of eight or more games in a single season. And they have been dynamite, J.J., in this streak. Outscoring their opposition by a count of 35 to 13. Power play has been excellent. Nine for 19. That's 47.4%. The PK has been excellent. 21 to 23 kills. 91.3%. A lot of the Oilers' woes on the penalty kill in this last little stretch after the All-Star game, they've come on the road. And that's why that number is so much higher at home. And now during the streak, I mean, Connor McDavid has been unreal as usual. He's had a point in all eight games. 
including eight goals, 17 assists. And I mean, the assists are just piling up and piling up for Connor McDavid. We had uh, the little in or out yesterday. Is he going to get close to 100? Is he going to pass 100? He's on pace for whatever, 99 or whatever it is. Can he crack that 100 assist mark in a single season? Leon Dreisettle, he has a point in seven of these uh, eight games. So the Oilers are getting things done offensively. And during the streak, Stuart Skinner started seven of those eight games. And uh, he's 7-0, and uh, won eight, six goals against, 940 save percentage. Again, this kind of, you want to call a little bit more loosey-goosey in the last little while has happened for the most part on the road. Uh, the Oilers... You know, they did have a high-scoring game against Detroit in their, their last home game, the 8-4, but, you know, they gave up six in St. Louis, three in Dallas, three in in uh, Arizona, four in L.A. So, I mean, they have been giving up a little more offense, a little more uh, zone time, and a little more chances than probably they would like. Shoot us off a text, one 1440 How excited are you to see the Bruins? We were... Had the uh, text line open yesterday, and so many textures rifled off messages saying, you know, so many Maritimers that came out here uh, and have come out here, work in the oil patch, move up to Fort McMurray, things like that. And those are fans that were, you know, maybe generational Boston Bruin fans, you know, growing up in Atlantic Canada when they were young kids or, or whatever, their parents were Boston Bruin fans and it was kind of passed down to them. So the Oilers uh, will be in uh, tough tonight and when it comes to a little more crowd noise from the opposition, but nothing like it was the other night for Arizona at uh, Mullet Arena when, what, uh, three out of the 4,500 or 4,800 fans, 3,000 were Edmonton Oiler fans. What will the lines look like tonight? against the bees if you remember remember in the uh second period late second period early third period the others shifted up their lines and even after the game coach k said he's you know rather not do it as much as he's doing it technically and i'm paraphrasing but that's but that's what's happened the others have been uh, lackluster in second periods of late and it has forced the coach's hand to change lines to change the look to try to get a spark and it happened again in Arizona. I mean, the top two lines that started out, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Corey Perry, and then Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, Evander Kane, and Zach Hyman. That's how the top two lines started out. Uh, when they got into the third period, it went back to the uh, reuniting Connor McDavid and uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman as that line that was so good for, you know, three, four weeks, maybe a, a tad longer. And then... Ryan McLeod moved up to play with Leon Dreisettle, and when that switch was made several weeks ago, that uh, that really created a spark for the Oilers. So they finished the game with McLeod, Dreisettle, and Evander Kane. So what shakes down tonight? We will uh, see exactly what happens. Some oh, some doozies in the NHL last night. The Duke had three highlight goals in there. Quinton Byfield scored probably the nicest goal of the night. Talking about um, consideration for goal of the year. He went around Zach Wierenski. All of a sudden, the Kings, after getting pasted in Buffalo, 7 nothing pounding. Uh, the Kings have caught fire. Beat Columbus last night 5-1. That's four 
straight wins for the LA Kings. And the Kings are again, they're they're hot on the heels of the Oilers in the Pacific Division. Oilers with 67 points, LA Kings with 66. The Oilers do have a couple of games in hand. Vancouver, you know, we, we were talking about this for probably three months, maybe a tad more, that the Canucks are the only team really in the Western Conference, maybe the entire league, you'd have to do a really deep dive. Maybe Florida is the only other one that has not really had a little bit of a funk, a little bit of a, a blip on the radar. Well, now all of a sudden the Canucks have lost three straight and it comes on the heels. Last night's 3-1 victory by Colorado over Vancouver in the Mile High City where Nate McKinnon saw his 27-game home point scoring streak extended. So he's got 27 hours on the empty netter. He waited till the very end of the game to get that. Uh, 3-1 Colorado over Vancouver. So three straight losses for the Canucks now still on 80 points. The Oilers at 67 with six games in hand. So you can do the math and see exactly where things are shaping up there. Also, Vegas lost again. And all of a sudden, the Golden Knights are not playing particularly well on home ice, a uh, record of uh, three straight losses at home, now 70 points, three back, the Oilers are, with four games in hand. But more importantly, there was a collision in, in the neutral zone, and Captain Mark Stone went down and did not return for the third period. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Also last night, Washington 6-2 over the New Jersey Devils. Alex Ovechkin, two more goals. All of a sudden, catching heat, catching fire. Nick Dowd was injured. He is considered to be a, a hot commodity on the trade market, but again, you have to always look at the other side of things. Why would the New York why would the Washington Capitals want to trade him? Well, now all of a sudden the Caps are starting kind of closing the gap. In the wild card. He's a cheap guy. He's got another year left. So is it worth trading away a guy like that? Well, if the return is, yeah, we'll see what happens. we got a busy show coming up in uh, the 720 hour. We'll check in with Ryan Henkel from uh, the Hockey News. He covers the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina is one of those teams that you go, man, oh, man, they, they're just, they're stealth. <laughs> I mean, they, they are six points behind the New York Rangers with a game in hand, but the Rangers, everyone says how great they are, how, you know, they're one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. Power rankings, the Duke had it on about two weeks ago that it was number one ranking for him in the power rankings. Carolina's right on their heels, so they got to be right in the mix as well there. Text line 1833-401-1440. Rockford chimes in. (laughs) <laughs> hey, Kevin, were you a fan of the Cooperall long pants when you wore them? Wow. That's going back a ways, Duke. You know, when the, uh, we wore those in, well, it's 40 years ago, uh, even a tad more, playing um, midget for the old, uh, you know where I played midget, Duke? It was in the... Not in Melville? No, no. Um, it was the first year for the team, and we actually had a pretty good team. They were called the Yorkton Parkland Maulers. But now the funny part of it all is they were we were sponsored by the Parkland Mall, like the yeah. mall. So the name was spelled M A L L E R S, not oh, not yikes. not not the ferocity yeah. of of M A U L E R S. Mauling your opponents with the fortune? No, not the case. Yeah, we were shop till you drop. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. <laughs> we had we lost to um, 
Notre Dame to go to the Air Canada Cup final back then. What um, what did you think of when the Hurricanes, speaking of both mm-hmm. Cooperalls and the Hurricanes, uh, off the top of the show here, yeah. uh, when they, uh, like, cup two-part question. A, what do you think of the Hurricanes using the Whalers' jerseys as their own personal throwbacks? Same franchise, of course, but different city, different team name. And then that combined with when they did, like, their version of the Cooperalls, which... Coops. They did not look like the originals, but I think for the reason for that being, they had to be able to take them on and off over top of their mm-hmm. regular gear without having to get changed um, post warm. So, if I'm not mistaken, Philadelphia was the the real the OGs. The, 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 the you know they, they wore them. They wore them. Uh, it, did, it looked funny because the other thing too, when you wore the Cooperalls, um, the shirt, the, the, your jersey was shorter and and it was form fitting. So if you were, if you had any, if you didn't have the physique of, uh, you know, a young David Schlemko, you know, you're not looking sharp out an there a, because an, an Adonis, yes, an Adonis and Laddie too, all are, and Eddie, all of our, you know, you know, and then there's you, know, you and me, me and yeah, <laughs> kind of roll city here, but yeah, because it was more of a very tight sweater and jersey right around your. Your waist area. The first edition of the Reebok Edge jerseys. Uh, you know, so they were, and it was weird. And um, I don't, well, they didn't have tie downs for sure. No. <laughs> that uh, didn't come not, along until no, uh, Rob Ray. Yeah, they were, well, guys made their own tie downs. You'd put a quarter in your, in your back, you'd tie it around your sweater with a oh, skate lace, right? So I gotcha. You would put a quarter in your, in your jersey, have a skate lace and tie it in, and then tie it to your whatever. But, but back then there wasn't wasn't a lot to tie. To. I was just gonna say, what do you what do you? Well, you would tie you tied it to your pants all There's the way little... down. Put them on like all the way, run them down your legs. Put <laughs> well, them on, exactly. under, under your feet and your skates. Yeah, you know that's how it worked. Uh, it, 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 that reminds me of Eddie Belfour. He used to he would take a skate lace uh, Duke, tie it around his wrist, and then feed it through the sleeve of his jersey and tie it to his hip. So when he would make a glove save or a blocker save, it would create like a web underneath yeah. his jersey. And so if a puck was kind of going under your arm, it would hit that web and mm-hmm. kind of deflect out. It like would get a, flying, a piece. Like a flying squirrel. It kind of, well, exactly like a flying squirrel. And it would catch just a little bit of the puck, right? Yeah. In, in maybe it doesn't take much sometimes. Just a little bit, right? So then it would knock down. And, of course, he was reprimanded and they found out about that. Well, someone got traded and said, hey, get, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, Eddie Belfort. Yeah, look doing into this. this. But he was smart. I mean. I, there's been a lot of goalies do stuff like like uh, J.S. Shiger to mm-hmm. uh, much uh, Oilers fan chagrin for a lot of years. He uh, had things where he would go down to his butterfly. His pants and his chest protector were connected that it would lift his shoulders up like another three yeah. inches. His shoulders were like up at his ears. <laughs> it's so, almost like he had a remote control. It, it, was, it, like, was, it was crazy to watch. Zip He's it up. Like, like zip robo- it up. robotic, basically. Yeah, but, no uh, hey, any, any any advantage you can get, I uh, I am all for it. And then, then whatever, when you get caught and they say you can't do that anymore, can't do it anymore. Yeah, like Garth Snow was, yeah, his were out of the world. <laughs> like, it didn't even look like, <laughs> they looked like like between uh, Jaguar was probably not as bad as Snowy, I think. I don't but, think so, not quite. But Snows were but, like insane. Yeah, like uh, the the what's uh, from Ghostbusters, the, the puff, marshmallow puff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, text comes in from Stair Farmer. Good morning, boys. Have a great show, Boston and the Oilers. What do you guys predict? Again, Oilers playing so well in home ice. This is a long trek across the country for the Bruins. They just played this. They played Monday as well. Um, beat Dallas in a shootout. I, I got to remember that one. Beat Dallas in a shootout. Here's the other thing. So they're coming all the way across. Body clock for them, for the Bruins, is 10 o'clock start game time, right? Yeah. You know, by the time we're dropping the puck here at 8 o'clock, so they could be, you know, they're all, they're well on their way to their post-game meal by the time this, this one starts. I, I think the Oilers, can, are, the Oilers are going to win this one. 
Uh, they need they got to tighten things up in the second period and not force themselves to be put in a position where in the third they have to be, you know, chasing lights out too though. And the lights the, out. The, the, I mean. We keep saying they can't keep it up forever, but mm-hmm. they've, they've done it against some good teams, like uh, including Dallas last Saturday afternoon. Yeah. So um, you you cannot get away with it forever. And even as good as Dallas is, I think Boston is maybe even a, a tick above. Like they're this is a really good it's hockey a, this team. Is, so yeah, I mean we're you're up against the cream of the crop. You're we're second, playing second in the NHL. Yeah, they're playing one of the best in the in the league. So, but I still think the Oilers can and can can win tonight. The way they're playing, like it's tough to bet against them right yeah, now. Yeah, especially at home. Ryan Hankel uh, again. Hockey news covers the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll guess with us right after the break. We've always got Mark Spector at eight o'clock on the mark for Booster Juice uh, from Roger Sportsnet. Spec, of course, uh, Cassie Campbell Pascal making her second. Her second appearance on the Sports 1440, Kevin Carey's Morning Show. Uh, Cassie left uh, Roger Sports and still does some games for ESPN, but she's now the PWHL Special Advisor. David Schlemko for Cougar Paint and Collision, our co-host every Wednesday from 9 to 11. We've got Marcel Rock, Marcel Shot Rock, world champion, member of the Ferb Four, Current coach for Clancy Grandy, the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. Should mention that Selena Sturme with another win yesterday over Quebec, so remains undefeated. We'll get to a lot more curling coverage with Marcel a little bit later in the show. Louis DeBrusque is going to join us at 10 o'clock on the way to the rink. Big Lou says, you know, I can make that work. On my way to the rink, I can make it work for you, big fella. And uh, we'll talk with Louis. And the one question I want to ask him, I think I've addressed it with him over the years, how... When you're doing a game and your son is playing, like Jake will be playing. And so I, I'm guessing Louie has done, I don't know, 10 or 12, 12 games. Let's call it 12 games over the years with Jake, maybe maybe a couple more. But do you find yourself drifting off and watching Jake and not, not, not necessarily concentrating on the rest of your job, what you got to do? Hockey dads are hockey you dads know, all the way through, He's going to be like all of a sudden squirrel, you know, bang. It doesn't matter if you're on a national yeah. broadcast. It's still the same, same yeah. feeling. Uh, and then uh, Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey Now. And we'll uh, preview and uh, check in with the Oilers uh, game tonight with uh, Boston from the Bruins angle. Coming up next, Ryan Hankel from the Hockey News covers the Carolina Hurricanes on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Well, that brings back memories of the old Power Hour on uh, Much Music back in the day. Old uh, JD, Jed Roberts, was the uh, host of the Power Hour. That's 40-some years ago. And now he's like the White White House correspondent for CBS and Fox. Every time I see him on the news, I just go... Do you really, people in the States, do you really, do you realize that this guy was banging his head 40 years ago? Uh, Time now for the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. And Fountain Tire is helping you stay on the road safely with flexible payment plans to suit your needs. Talk to your local store about their financing options. You can learn more at FountainTire.com as we welcome in Ryan Henkel from the Hockey News, covers the Carolina Hurricanes, back to Sports 1440. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. How are you? Uh, doing great up here. Doing great. So whenever I look at the Carolina Hurricanes and I check out the standings, I just go, these guys are like stealth. They're sneaky. They, everyone talks about Boston. They talk about Florida. They talk about the Rangers. And do you feel that Carolina sort of just sneaks under the radar out there? What's your thoughts on that? Uh, currently this year, I think they're definitely a little more sneaking under the radar. You know, first couple months of the season, they were – you know, they were okay. They were, you know, right in that playoff picture, but they were not one of the big dogs. But I think really as of late, turn of the calendar, they're really starting to get their game under their feet. And it's kind of, like you said, maybe one of these sneaky contenders where mm-hmm. everyone kind of looked at them at the beginning of the season and were like, all oh, these guys are contenders. And they kind of went to the wayside after a 
you know, rougher start, but now I think they're getting right back up to where people kind of expect them to play. Ryan, what would be the biggest question mark with the team? Is it totally obvious to say that the goaltending situation as a whole is uh, the number one maybe, and I don't know if concern is the right word, but what what are your thoughts on the goaltending situation? Uh, it's definitely the biggest question mark because, yeah. I mean, whenever you're rotating, whenever you've had five goaltenders play in a season, you it's, <laughs> something's not going completely correct for you. But um, it's it's definitely been an interesting case. They, there just seems to be a curse down in Raleigh of you can't have a goaltender unless he gets injured because it's every single one of them. Frederick Anderson, obviously, you know, unfortunately, situation was blood clotting issue. Anthony Ranta has kind of had continuous lower body concerns maybe the last five years of his career. And now Piotr Kochkov has had a bit kind of here and there too. But uh, as of late, I think Piotr's really stepped up in the way because Anderson Ranta have had longer term struggles. And, you know, Piotr Kochkov is. In his last ten games, he's got like a point nine twenty save percentage, mm-hmm. eight two and zero. He's he's been really good for Carolina, and the question is, can can he keep carrying this load? I mean, this is gonna be like the first season where he really plays forty some games or whatnot. Yeah. Well, what about Spencer Martin as well, Ryan Hinkle? He's actually been really good. You know, you don't expect too much from a waiver wire guy on his third team in the season, mm-hmm. but he's coming. He's been in some tough spots: Boston on the road, Vegas on the road, and he picked up wins and convincing wins in both of those fashions. I mean, he played well against the Chicago Blackhawks the other night, and he's just been really good for Carolina, really solid. And I asked him about this. I was like, you know, what kind of compliments your style? And playing in front of this defense, anybody can really make a goaltender look good. Ryan Hankel from the Hockey News, our guest on Sports 1440. Is there any uh, chance that uh, Freddie Anderson can get back at all this year? Actually, he's been practicing with the team. Uh, starting last week, he's been taking full team rep practices, you know, staying the whole time out there with the team, and it's been making progress. I will. I don't know if I would, you know, pencil him into down the road, but I think there's a real possibility with how he's been ramping up his, you know, training and his appearances in practice. Early March wouldn't be crazy from what we're seeing. Yeah, just the fact you know he's missed so much time and you know everything else. It's such a serious thing, and in the sense it's a um, you know not an injury but a different kind of scenario. I just thought you know maybe they're going to take a look at the big picture here. Yeah, I, I think they've been really patient with him. They've been doing everything by him. They take small steps, wait to see how he reacts to things, and you know from all what I've heard, he's been really kind of acing all of his tests and all of his things and really just kind of stepping through every hurdle. They're, they're being very patient. Carolina's mm-hmm. always been a team that never takes chances of injuries. And they're always like, if you're not 100%, you're not going. They, they, they're perfectly fine having guys sit out and not rushing anything. So I think this is all Frederick Anderson pushing for and wanting to return. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to keep, keep letting him practice, probably give him another week of continuous practices to see how he really holds up. And like I said, I wouldn't be too surprised if maybe – early March or something, we see him potentially get a game if everything stays on track. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about Jordan Martinuk? You know, uh, our Wednesday co-host here is uh, David Schlemko, good friends with Jordan. We had him on. We had Jordan on at the start of the season, and we thought maybe we put a curse on him because he hadn't scored for, you know, the first, it seemed like, couple months of the season. But now he's come on. What about how his play has kind of uh, evolved over the course of the season? It's funny. You'll ask Rod Brendamore about, you know, if you ask him about Jordan Martin, he'll be like, oh, you know, has anything changed now? He's got, you know, I think eight goals or something at the start of the new year. He's doing all, he's getting all his points. And he, w- he would tell you the one thing that makes Martin special is that his game does not change. Mm. He's, his most consi- he's one of the most consistent players on the Hurricanes. And I think 
early in the year, just really, really unlucky. I mean, he was having batting pucks out of the air and having them hit the corner of the crossbar type of scenarios. And as of late, he's been he's been playing just he just plays so hard. He plays mm-hmm. hard physical hockey, north south, and he's not afraid to go to the net. And I think you know everybody knows that's where you got to go to score goals. It also helps you throw Steph Jarvis on the line yeah. and install a little bit of an offensive playmaker and things start clicking a little better too. I think that also helps. Yeah, Ryan Hankel with us on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, Seth Jarvis is where I was going to go next, and uh, you know he has just had a remarkable season. He's had you know he's had a remarkable young career. You know he was drafted one spot ahead of Dylan Holloway in that twenty twenty draft, but his numbers are as good as anyone's, uh, save from Tim Stutzley in that draft. Uh, what has he meant his progression so quickly in Carolina? What's that meant to the team? It's been everything for the Hurricanes. I mean. You know, they talk, we talk all the time about in Carolina about how, you know, secondary scoring, you need kind of additional guys to step up outside of the Sebastian Ajos and Andre Sushnikovs. And he's just, he's been almost everything Carolina could ask for as a complete player. And he's on the first penalty kill unit. He's on the first power play unit. He plays a 200-foot game, back checks like crazy, four checks like crazy. The kid is unafraid of anything. He's, he's not the biggest guy, as you well know, but mm-hmm. he, he'll go into the corners with a guy like Tyler Myers or Victor Hedman and, throw his body around and try to win pucks. He's completely unafraid of anybody in hockey. And he, he's just, he's like a little ball of energy. Yeah. He's, he's just been a cannon for the Hurricanes. And like I said, that production that he's beginning, he's now set new career highs and goals, assists, and points. It's, it's been everything for the team because you can't just rely on like one or two guys. You need depth down the line. Mm-hmm. He provides that arm an affordable ELC contract. Yeah. Uh, how quickly did he earn the trust of, of Rod Brindamore? Was it right in season one? Did it take to the end of his rookie year? Where, how did that happen? I would think it kind of really took off in the second half of last year. But I would say kind of right away, Rod kind of always, always had an affinity for him because out of um, training camp, he didn't get sent back down to juniors or anything. He sticked with the team, I think, nine games into the season before he got his chance to play. After that, it was just no looking back. I, Rob just loves his work ethic, the way he just is unafraid. He plays through anything. And just kind of his mentality. It's Like I said, that second half of last season, he started getting penalty kill time. He, <laughs> funny story, he was always like, he was like, he told Tim Gleason, his assistant coach, runs the penalty kill. He was like, I was begging Gleason to let me on the penalty kill. <laughs> and he eventually got the chance, and he's just been getting better at that, getting more solid, playing that 200-foot game. I think last year we saw the dip in production from him that maybe had people questioning, but it was because he was working on that 200-foot defensive mm-hmm. game because he wanted to get better at that before he really got better offensively. And I think once we saw him you know, commit to that, that's when Rod was like, this, is, this kid is going to be special. I mean, he's, he's played 29 playoff games already. That's that's you know for a guy that's just been in the league you know two years he played fourteen and uh, you know two years ago and then fifteen last year um, do you see that I guess that that responsibility in the sense that where Rod Brindamore how he played there is no uh, you gave it a hundred percent all the time in all zones and is this a similar situation but different body type you mentioned he's a lot smaller than Brindamore but does he take a lot from his coach is kind of what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah, I can definitely see him embodying a lot of what kind of Rod Brendamore stood for as a player. That kind of commitment to working hard, to being in the right places, to doing the right things, doing it the right way is how Rod likes to put it. And I see a lot of that in Jarvis as well. I mean, he's he'll back check like crazy. He'll go from, you know, down below the goal line to he'll just get on his high horse and he will go to kill a two-on-one play. He 
he just will not give up on pucks. And that's something, like I said, Rod mm-hmm. Brennamore truly, truly loves in a player. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, one of the best in that. As far as the trade deadline goes here, uh, as we're speaking with Ryan Hinkle from the Hockey News, covers the Carolina Hurricanes. How busy, how active do you think that uh, general manager Don Waddell will be coming up to the trade deadline here in just over a couple of weeks? It's always a bit hard to say with Don because I think he keeps his cards a little close to his chest. And they always talk, his, whenever he does appearances, you know, it's the phrase, we like our team. Mm-hmm. A lot of things. They don't like to shake things up. The philosophy with the team is we make our deals in the offseason. We build our team in the offseason and go. But, you know, they obviously would love to add, you know, top nine help. They're always looking to add potentially top nine forward. Uh, could see a center maybe for the team because they've had some good, they've had some, you know, solid center play, but a second line center could be a big addition for them. But again, I don't know how active Don will be in the trade market just because history tells you that it's always a lot of depth pieces and never a lot of, big pieces but they're always they're always in on deals so it's hard to say mm-hmm. would you say that the hurricanes are happy with their defense and i mean brett burns still can he can still bring it every night but there's not a lot of tread left on the tires he's played a lot of big big minutes over the course of his career where do you see things shaking down there i think they're very very happy with their defense um i mean i think it's one of the best blue lines in the league i mean ben burns is still playing 20 plus minutes a night doesn't look any slower it's just yeah. he's an absolute workout freak i mean the guy's in crazy crazy shape and i i think they're really happy with that they brought in dimitri orlov and he's playing third pair minutes with jalen chatfield and he can move up the lineup real relatively easily they've done that with Brett Pesci was sick a couple games ago and you know tony d'angelo Hasn't played a ton this season, but he's had to play the last few games. He's been playing well. He's been playing solid. So I think maybe that builds their confidence a little more in their defensive depth. But I also could see them adding, like, going after a seventh defenseman mm-hmm. in the market. Just some guy stayed home veteran because, you know, like you said, injuries happen in the playoffs. And you don't want to be in a spot where you're looking for somebody. Ryan Hankel from the Hockey News, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Sticking with Brent Burns, how much has he meant to the locker room and being sort of a glue guy to bring things together in that room? He's been he's been really big in that. I know we'll hear from like other guys around. Like Jarvis was one of those guys who was really really big with Burns. I mean, and there's stories about how he would come over for dinners and like him Burns' wife would be cooking, you know, Jarvis meals, and it always be like, oh, what kind of what kind of exotic animal will it be? Because you know, I think about Brent Burns. He's got he's a little bit of a hunter and all that. Got a ranch out in Texas, but um, no, he's been really good, especially with the younger guys. He's got his son Jagger Burns who's really close with a lot of the young guys on the Canes. You know, you'll see him come out for practices, after practices, mm-hmm. kind of just get around with his dad. He's very cooking. I mean, Jarvis are two guys that really, like, bond with him, like, mess with him and all that. It's a very, very close family atmosphere yeah. in Carolina. And Burns has, you know, been a big part of that. It kind of acts like maybe you're, you're slightly a little crazy uncle or something. This <laughs> <laughs> well, is not the truth. He kind of reminds me of that, like, the slightly crazy uncle that's, you know, he's, whatever, 16 years older than a couple of those guys. But he has that ability to be 19 years old. How's that sound? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, and just, uh, just uh, you know, the story, like all the stories when he packs for the road and that and things like that. Can you share a bit of that with, uh, with our listeners, uh, Ryan? I think he's got he's got a giant backpack and a couple other bags he brings. I think from what I've heard, he's got like a coffee maker. He brings his own coffee. He's got exotic coffee too imported that he brings. He's got to have that. I think two pillows. 
Uh, he's got like these custom kind of like recovery equipment. He's got these giant bags. He just brings everywhere with him. Like, they ask like guys about it in the team. They're like, Burns takes up a whole seat with his bags right next to him. Nobody sits next to him because he's got just a whole room for all of his bags he brings. Uh, the guys must just really rib him though. And that's what brings teams together, things like that. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of, especially Burns, you know, you'll hear him chirping a lot of the guys too. Like, um, Brendan Lemieux is always a guy that Burns is like messing with, tapping him in the back of the legs and whatnot, teasing him in practices and whatnot. So Burns is just as bad as any of the other young guys in terms of those little ribbons and whatnot. Yeah. Well, uh, Ryan, thanks so much for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Uh, Carol, uh, one quick question. So did, uh, when uh, the Canes beat Chicago 6-3 on, on uh, Monday – and then they play Florida tomorrow. Before we get to that one, just your thoughts on kind of really watching a game with Connor Bedard because you don't see him, I guess, you know, playing you know a different division that often. So what was that like, I guess, for you to kind of kind of keep an eye on watching Connor Bedard for a full sixty? It was nice to see. You know, it's always like you said, those West Coast players like like Connor McDavid doesn't come to Carolina too often, so it's always mm-hmm. a treat to see him. But it was a similar thing with Bedard. I mean. Chicago was completely outclassed in that game. And you could tell early that Carolina, they just weren't ready for Carolina's speed and forecheck. But Connor Bedard was one player that just he stood out among it all. I mean, he had three primary points in that game. Every, every goal, he was either scoring or setting it up. And it's his speed, his ability to just create separation and create distance. It's like you see the rest of the Chicago's team completely like stuck in the mud. And him, he's just skating like on ice. And he's, he's moving tremendously well and being able to read Carolina's defensive structures and being able to help take it apart doing it. And that's something we don't see too often from many players. So it's, it's really impressive seeing an 18 year old with that kind of hockey IQ and the abilities to do something when you watch everyone else around him simply cannot do it. Mm-hmm. So Carolina uh, home to Florida tomorrow. What do you make of that game? The Panthers have now overtaken Boston for first in the Atlantic and probably the second hottest team in the league behind the New York Rangers right now. Yeah, Florida's a team that I definitely can see, you know, going back to the Stanley Cup final with the way they're playing. I mean, they're they're mean, they're big, they're scoring like crazy. Sam Reinhardt, just you give them yeah. a power play and Sam Reinhardt scoring a goal, I it's almost a guarantee at this point. They're deep. I mean, that's just a very, very good hockey team. Palmer has got them buying into a better defensive system than they had in years prior too. I think that's just a it's just a very, very well balanced team. And I, and, you know, a little slower start. They had some injuries. Guys waiting to come back like Ekblad and Montour. And I think now that they're healthy again, I just they're just going. They're just flying. Ryan, thanks for this. Appreciate your time. Uh, have fun watching that one tomorrow. Florida and Carolina should be a good one. Thanks for hopping on this morning. No worries. Thanks for having me. That's Ryan Hankel from the Hockey News. Covers the Carolina Hurricanes and our puck report. Brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. When we come back, we'll get to a couple of your texts. We've got a little note from from, um, Jeff Merrick out of the OHL, which kind of... People are kind of going, eh, this could gain some legs out in uh, the OHL. We'll uh, touch on that when we come back. And, of course, Mark Spector, top of the hour from Rogers Sportsnet. Stay with us. It's the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. The 740 break means one thing and one thing only every day here on the Kevin Carey Show, the Duke and his infatuation with B.A., Brian Adams. Number one on his playlist. Number one in his heart. No comment from the Duke. Not saying much this morning. 
Uh, number one in my heart, sure. <laughs> I'll take that. Why not? Oh, man. Who doesn't get a little fired up when you hear that uh, little opening riff? Because everybody, like, is that's one of the songs that I think everybody in the entire world knows the words to. Yeah, I don't know about that. But. That song, that is, like, all-time popular song. Where did it run on American Billboard or whatever? Well, who cares? Charts are charts are for chumps. Charts are for chumps. It's all about the people, what the people have to say. Speaking of what the people have to say, Sports 1440 text line, one 401 1440 We were talking about this for yesterday and then today about how popular the Bruins are. Rockford says, Michael Ryder made Bruins fans out of a lot of young Newfoundlanders. Newfies are fiercely loyal and they are and i would say michael Ryder would probably be the top player from newfoundland to play in the nhl i would think so the guy that i always comes to to mind for me would be danny cleary from carboneer so you know because he played he was a high draft pick for chicago and then had to redefine his game when he kind of at the tail end of here went to detroit had great success with the red wings and who else would be the top Newfoundland players? You know what, Terry Ryan. We have to get through <laughs> Terry Ryan in there. That's exactly what I was about to say. I was like, how about uh, TR? And you know what? You think about it, and he would probably, I, you know, I've never spoken to TR directly. He would say he would love to have a little more success in the NHL. Everyone of would. Of course. But you think about it. If he, let's just say he has the kind of success that uh, Michael Ryder or Danny Cleary has, we don't maybe we don't get the gifts of of Shorzy. We don't get, you know, to to see all of that stuff and his life turns out way differently because, you know, he he's obviously carving out a, a longer career. Like I mean, Danny Cleary played upwards of a thousand games, and I'm not even sure exactly how many he played, but it was up there. Um just let me look here. Danny Cleary played nine hundred thirty eight games. So, you know, he's pushing a 1,000 games, had 387 points. So I would say if you're, well, I'm sure we have a lot of Newfoundlander li- uh, listeners because they have been texting in about this connection with the Boston Bruins and Atlantic Canada and thing. Who would be the top Newfoundland players in the NHL in history? Well, I think we'd talk to two of them, Michael Ryder and Danny Cleary, are probably top of the list. Ryan Close, another one. Played a lot of years with the, with the Sharks. Got another guy that was here, Teddy Purcell. He was here for a few years. I that don't know. Uh, Teddy Purcell, he turned himself into <laughs> quite the uh, popular figure around the entire NHL and even beyond the NHL scene. Like from because I think he's still down in uh, Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a he's like borderline public figure, uh, like all time <laughs> teammate guy. I think by the sounds of it, and uh, good at showing people maybe the local scene a little bit. Another guy that I remember from junior days is Dawson Mercer, mm, and yeah. he's a, he he could be he could go down as the number one guy. Potentially, man. He's. You know. uh, I'll tell you what. As a, as a fantasy hockey player this year, Kevin, he's a, he's, he's, up, been, he's been one of the most frustrating guys because on the, a daily thing or what do you mean? Well, like like no, like year long league because like I had very high aspirations for this guy, but he because of the Devils lineup, he still doesn't often play within the top six. And mm-hmm. the production hasn't been, it's been very sporadic. How yeah. about that? So um, incredibly talented player, but uh, the Devils are such like, a, they're so stacked at forward with so many skilled guys in the top six, a little bit tough mm-hmm. for him to, to push in there and, you know, sneak out some power play time and anything like that. 
Uh, Brett from Stoney goes Alex Newhook. Same as Jordan goes Alex Newhook. Um, Alex Newhook, Newhook, another one with a lot of guys on uh, on Alex Newhook's uh, radar. There's a lot, there, you know, I, I'm trying to get go through the list here. Um, but I think Ryder and Cleary are probably one, two when it comes to comes to the list of, of Newfoundlanders that made it to the NHL. World junior hero, John Slaney. John Slaney, there's another one. That was in Saskatoon, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, 90. Uh, I think so. 90 or 91. I mean, like the golden goal. The golden goal, yes. John Slaney. I just punched up the list now, Duke, and just to kind of have a look. There's, I don't know how much you can take on this list where it's from, but whatever. And there was one guy that I remember when I was doing hockey highlights because we, everyone tried to be Chris Berman and tried to get the na- names in there. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was Harold Druken, and it was Harold in a Druken stupor. <laughs> that was one of the lines for him back in the day. Okay, well here's another guy you could throw in the Adam Party. Mm, yeah. Party all night. Party all night. Yeah. My only real memory of Adam Party is when that guy in Winnipeg pulled his helmet off. Or was that yeah, the fan? You mean? Yeah, yeah. Was and that then, it, was that in Winnipeg? I thought it was. I'm pretty sure it was. But like, why would they pull off their own guy's no, helmet? No, are you? Sh- I don't know. Maybe we'll he was. To- was Adam Party just the guy that hit him through the glass? I'm gonna have to look that up and check because for some hmm. reason Adam Party's connected to that memory for me. Yeah, Morris says Slaney Dawson Mercer will probably be the top hab man says. Heavy Chevy, Keith Brown, was born in Newfoundland, grew up in Edmonton. There's another guy. That goes back a ways. Gord Oil says, I would put Ryan Cole right up there with Cleary and Ryder. A lot of guys coming in with Slaney right now. Uh, just to confirm that, yes, it was Adam Party in Chicago. In Chicago? When he was playing for the Jets. That so fan there. was just hammered, wasn't that, he? That guy was living his best life. And he, he like just, just like, <laughs> like smacks that helmet down on top of his head. He was, a couple sizes you know, too small, I think. And yeah, he jammed it down, and then but he's looking around like, "What? I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, this is normal." <laughs> like, and then the security guard comes down, and everyone's looking at this guy, and he's ten sheets into the wind. You think about it, like Blackhawks fans, because that's ten years ago. Blackhawks fans, uh, kind of right in the midst of their glory, <laughs> they pretty much thought in there were like they could do no wrong. They were, they were untouchable in the eyes of the NHL. How things have changed, but. Well, I'm just looking. Uh, texter says Alex Faulkner. We're going way back, 1936. Alex Faulkner played for the uh, Red Wings back in the day. <laughs> some good, uh, some great, uh, yeah, some great Newfoundlanders. Yeah. We have to get. Uh, I know he's busy, but we'll have to get TR. Trying on to, if, if, yeah, just, just to, sneak TR. I mean, Gregor's. He's gone through all these subjects with them as well, but mm-hmm. a little different. A little, you know, different time. Little morning, you know, for him, it's noon there right now or whatever time. So Britneer, Britneer, yeah, Carboneer. Is yeah. is Newfoundland the extra half hour? Extra ahead? half, yeah. So yeah, three and a half. Three hours, hours to the land of Canada, and then the extra half yeah. out for the out on the rock. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, those late games, like, I mean, those guys are oh just... Oh, my God. You know, if you're starting at, well, you're, it's 11.30 for an Oiler game on, a, like, tonight. So this game tonight will be an 11... Well, it'll be an 11.37 puck drop, Newfoundland time. Yikes. So you're just getting ready to rip her up, Duke. No, but even later than that, it's 8 o'clock our time. Newfoundland's three and a half hours ahead, isn't it? That's what I said, eight plus three and a half. 
Like, What'd you say? So I said eleven thirty. Oh, okay. I must have missed. Uh, yeah. So no. Yeah. If it's eight o'clock, still here, early in the morning. It's eleven thirty tonight. Eleven thirty-seven. Yeah. You're you're right. I, Dookie I'm, scared me there I'm because a, I'm, like, I I know I'm my math dummy. is off, but I mean, is, are there are any of the like um, the northeastern United States like is Vermont or Maine um, on no. uh, Atlantic time? They're still on just eastern. I don't know. I don't know either. Because they're right there. They are. Um, when we come back, top of the hour, we will uh, check in with Mark Spector, Rogers Sportsnet, on the mark for Booster Juice. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. Our hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed just for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.